the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us as we get underway at nine minutes past nine o'clock on a Thursday. It is the fifth morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2023, and uh, we've got a lot of work to do today. Uh, the good news is we have done a lot of work in preparation for today. We are uh, we're going to bring you every major newsmaker I think that you can think of in the twin stories of speaker election debacles of Washington D.C. and the United States House of Representatives and the Columbus, Ohio, Ohio House of Representatives. We have dueling disasters. Um, I'm, I can't say it any other way. The Speaker of the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C. is not going to be Kevin McCarthy, at least not anytime soon. Six votes have been held now, and he can't crack uh, the code. Um, deals are being discussed behind, you know, behind the scenes, behind closed doors. Now there are desperation discussions about somehow reaching out to Democrats and maybe offering them pork projects 
if you will, funding for some of their own personal initiatives in their own districts in order to get them to come across and put Kevin McCarthy over the magic number. There are conversations about major concessions, even more than previously uh, disclosed, being made by McCarthy to fellow House Republicans in order to help him get him over the line. And there are still holdouts. There are still 19 holdouts, and now a new name has emerged. Two days ago, the only name to be discussed other than Kevin McCarthy was that of Jim Jordan, who got 19 votes. Jim Jordan doesn't want the job. Jim Jordan wants Kevin McCarthy to have the job. So yesterday, a new name was nominated as an alternative to McCarthy, and that's Byron Donalds of Florida. That's not going to go anywhere either. Did I mention it's a debacle? Did I mention it's a disaster? Did I mention it's a mess? Yeah, it is all of those things. It'll reconvene today at about noon for the seventh vote. We'll see where it goes from here, and we are all over it, because coming up here in less than a half an hour, we will talk with Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan, of course, is the uh, ranking member at the current moment of the House Judiciary Committee because they haven't sworn in the new members of Congress and can't until... um, uh, the new speaker is chosen. Once everybody is sworn in and the new Congress officially gets to work, Jim Jordan will be the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, and that's what he wants. That's the job he has declared that he wants. That's where he believes he can do his best work. That's where he believes he can do... Apologies, I heard a strange sound. I wanted to make sure we were clear. Um, that's where he believes he can do his best in bringing in the radical, out-of-control Democrat machine, bringing it under control, and holding them accountable for the things that have been done, at least for the last two years, and really going back further than that. Uh, so he doesn't want the Speaker's gavel. He wants to be the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, and that's what he's working toward. We will talk to him about how he wants this to play out. He has spoken for, he has championed, and he has nominated officially Kevin McCarthy for the job that the holdouts do not want Kevin McCarthy to have. The holdouts consider themselves to be the uber-conservative, the the most conservative who do not want more of the same status quo rhino swamp dwelling type of leadership in the house. So uh, we're going to talk to Jim Jordan, who is as conservative as it gets. Yet he still supports McCarthy. President Trump was was seen as being the drainer of the swamp, and yet he wants Kevin McCarthy. Uh, Matt Gates, who is one of the leaders of the uh, the holdout, says, you know, we can't drain the swamp by nominating the lead alligator to do the job. So very, very interesting to see how that's going to play out. Dan Crenshaw, by the way, congressman from Texas, opened a lot of eyes and raised a lot of ire and anger when he declared on live radio with Guy Benson that the holdouts were terrorists. That's right. He literally said, we can't let the terrorists win. Terrorists has a pretty interesting, unique, and very direct um um, it has a very direct, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on it, but it, it means something. I won't say definition, but I guess I'll stick with it since I can't think of the word I want. But it's a, it has a very, very uh, connotation, maybe is the word I wanted there. Direct connotation. When we think of terrorists, we think of 9-11. When we think of terrorists, we think of bombings. When we think of terrorists, we think of, uh, you know, radical Muslim terrorists and, uh, and people who do horrific things. These holdouts who oppose the swamp and who oppose Kevin McCarthy on their, you know, in their minds on swamp grounds and rhino grounds. 
They're not terrorists, and Dan Crenshaw is uh, taking it for that comment. He is, by the way, not only taking it, he is also doubling down on it. He's taking heat for it, and then he said, oh, grow, th- grow some thick skin. It's a, it's a figure of speech. No, it's not. He called them terrorists. So the Republican Party in Washington, D.C. right now is in a very, very big mess. And we're going to talk to Jim Jordan about that coming up at 935. Elsewhere, and also... Oh, now let me rephrase. Uh, let me go in order here so I can let you know what's going on. Jim Jordan at 935 at 1010, as it is Thursday, we will discuss the ongoing culture war with Dr. Everett Piper, as we do each and every Thursday. Never going to cancel Dr. Piper, <clears throat> uh, at least if I, if I have any control of it. Dr. Piper is going to talk to us about a huge, huge victory for Kirk Cameron and thus a huge victory for decency and for science uh, coming up. And he's also going to talk to us about Mr. Rogers. He's done some research on Mr. Rogers and compared it to some other childhood characters and programming that maybe some of young today's younger generation needs to see. Uh, and we're going to talk to him about that. Uh, we have discussed Mr. Rogers uh, in, in some depth over the course of the last few weeks because of some old video footage of his show that we have uh, found. And uh, Dr. Piper wrote a great piece about it in the Washington Times. So Dr. Piper at 1010. At 1035, back to the Washington, D.C. swamp with somebody who is going to try very, very hard to drain it and work hard against it. Newly sworn-in Senator J.D. Vance will make his first appearance as a United States Senator. We talked to J.D. numerous times in the run-up to the primary. We talked to him numerous times in the run-up to the general election fight against Tim Ryan, and now we'll talk to him for the first time as Senator uh, J.D. Vance. And we'll talk to J.D. Vance about uh, what his plans are in the Senate, what the goal and the agenda should be there, and we'll get his thoughts on what's going on in the lower chamber with respect to the speaker battle. At 11.10, we're going to talk with a member of the Ohio House of Representatives, Gary Click. Gary Click was on Team Marin in the speaker fight that we detailed yesterday in great detail, sorry for the redundancy, But in the uh, battle that was supposed to result in not a battle, uh, they had already decided in caucus in November that, uh, that, um, Derek Marin was going to be the new uh, Speaker of the House, uh, in the State House in Ohio. And, uh, then suddenly, as we got from November into late December and now into early January, a coup was staged. And a small number of Republicans in that caucus bolted from the pledge to uh, select Derek Marin as the new uh, House Speaker, and they went and recruited almost every Democrat in the Assembly uh, to support Jason Stevens, who is a more moderate Republican, to say the least, in, to be in charge of the State House. We saw all of that ha- happen. Well, Gary Click was with Marin and is very, very upset with what some of his colleagues did. He's going to join us at 11.10. Then at 11.20, right after that, D.J. Swearingen is another Ohio State representative. He was on what turned out to be Team Stevens. He was part of the uh, the group, which included Al Catrona, with whom I spoke yesterday, to uh, to engineer this and tried to rally and reach out to other Republicans to walk away from Derek Marin and to support Jason Stevens, and thus reaching out to Democrats who had no say whatsoever in this, considering they only had 33 out of 100 seats. 67 belonged to the Republicans. The Democrats had no control whatsoever on who the Republicans chose as Speaker, and yet they ended up having the biggest say, because 32 of them 
decided to join in with uh, following the lead of Katrona and Swearingen and many others, uh, decided to support Jason Stevens. And Jason Stevens is now the uh, Speaker of the House in the Ohio State House in the Ohio General Assembly. So there you have it. Jim Jordan, Dr. Piper, J.D. Vance, Gary Click on Team Marin, uh, DJ Swearingen on Team Stevens, all going to lay it out for us this morning on AM 1420, The Answer. So we are just loaded for bear. Uh, just put your seatbelts on, grab your popcorn. It's going to be a very interesting ride this morning. And you, by the way, can be a part of it. You don't have to just be a passenger. 216-901-0945. You just have to pick your spots in between interviews, uh, including right now. I've got time between now and 930 to hear from you. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. We'll see if we can get you up and in. After we do our Pledge of Allegiance and take a short time out, Patriots, please rise. Face your flags. Put your hand on your heart and join us if you are a believer in... Did you hear what Biden's doing now? Uh, it is my intention to uh, to try to visit the border, and uh, you know uh, we're working on the details right now. If you think that old, demented, uh, uh, you know, Brandon, we'll call him that, if you think he's going to the border, uh, I've got something to sell you. He isn't going to bring the cameras to the border unless they clear it first. Do not believe in anything you hear from that administration. If he says he's going to the border and they make plans, I promise you, they will bring National Guardsmen, they will bring every soldier they can to clear the border. So he goes down there with the TV cameras following and they see nothing. But if you're a believer in all of that, well, then you don't believe in that flag that we are discussing. And as such, you are exempted from the request to pledge your allegiance to it. You may take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback instead. As for the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, it's 920. We'll take some phone calls. If you make some phone calls, coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 923, Always Right Radio on a Thursday. Appreciate you uh, joining us. We are loaded up. Congressman Jim Jordan is going to join us to talk about the mess right now. What is the way out for the Republicans? How can they get the right speaker? And how can they save face? as the American public watches something play out that has not played out in decades, if not around 100 years. Um, What's going to happen? What will Jim Jordan do? Uh, He has been steadfast in his support for Kevin McCarthy. That upsets a lot of people who see Jim Jordan and Kevin McCarthy as being two very opposite individuals, one a conservative America First Agenda uh, leader and the other one part of the rhino swamp. Um, whether that's fair or not, that's how it's viewed, and that's why we are where we are in D.C. So Jordan joins me in about 15, well, maybe 10. John is in Berea first on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, John, go ahead, sir. Yes, I would like to say that Dennis Prager always points out that there are three types of conservatives, social, national security, and fiscal. And I think one of the problems we have is that there are a number of uh, Republicans who are fiscal and maybe national security, but they're not social conservatives. They care about the, the money and stuff like that, but they don't see and have to be convinced about how important some of these social issues are to the continuation of this country as this woke stuff goes crazy. Uh, Governor um, DeSantis in Florida, he gets it. He gets it. 
uh, and so that's what the, that's one of the problems is that they don't care enough about these social things that really ha- and then so that so that this indirectly gives the Democrats and the leftists uh, some more cachet that they, they otherwise would have because some of them won't uh, uh, support certain things in relation to the social issues, and that becomes part of the big problem. My problem with the... John, John, what I need you to do right now, my friend, is focus on the two issues at hand here. Now, my screen says you wanted to talk about the Ohio House race and the D.C. House race. Do you have any thoughts on those things? Because that's where we are. uh, all right. Well, that this was indirectly related to that. Specifically, uh, McCarthy sounds seems to me, at least it appears to me, he's 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 one of your quote unquote swamp creatures. That uh, you know, and it almost seems like he he wants to check off uh, being uh, Speaker of the House uh, because that's a that's a go to thing for him to do, as opposed to having it for uh, a good strong conservative. Reasons, and you notice that in the Ohio House, at least some people are saying that the Democrats, well, they kind of like uh, managed to keep out what they perceive to be a stronger conservative uh, for Speaker of the House in the Ohio House. So, and I'm saying that the other thing I talked about is is related to what I just mentioned. They, okay. they, they go together. Okay, I got you. John, I appreciate the call. Thank you, my friend. Uh, let's get a few more in here before the bottom. Let's hit um, Sally in Berea. Sally, go right ahead. You're next. Hi, Bob. It seems Republicans are always behind the eight ball, and I trust Jim Jordan. He, They have some concessions from McCarthy. They got that accomplished. I think they could save face by saying that. I think they look foolish by doing things such as nominating Jordan when he publicly said he did not want it. He's all set to start the investigations. Let's get the ball rolling. We'll just try to keep accountable McCarthy to hold him to what he said. And let's get, let's get moving. He has made, Thanks. McCarthy has, thank you, Sally, um, he has made a lot of concessions. In fact, down to a single vote, all it would take is a single vote to, uh, to get a vote to remove him. Uh, you know, with a vote of no confidence, uh, he had, like, it had gotten down to five, and now it would be a single vote. So he has made a lot of concessions. Um, if people are really questioning whether or not he will be another Ryan or whether he will be a stalwart conservative leader in the House, um, he's made concessions, and I think that's going to be a big, big part. And we'll talk to Jordan about that, about uh, getting those who are still on the 19, still the out, uh, you know, the uh, uh, the outsiders, if you will, to get them on board with this. BJ is in North Olmsted. Hi, BJ. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Uh, you know how you felt about 2022. Well, hang on to your hat for 2023. <laughs> You're right. Look how it's starting out already. Isn't it amazing? Uh, yes, it is. It's in, pretty crazy. In both houses, but it's an awakening year this year. When I say awakening year, more people are going to be more cognizant of what's taking place in our country. And it's going to be a revolutionary year. And I don't mean a war, but awakening in, in, in many, many people's minds. And I'm very, very optimistic about 2023 being a year when the public starts to become more involved in what's going on in their life. God bless America, and thanks for your time, and thank, I love you very much. Thank, thank you, BJ. God bless you, too. I appreciate that. Uh, let's see what Tanya and Akron has to say before the bottom of the hour. Hi, Tanya. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. I think it's all about the rules. You know, I think it's about how, how did we end up in Ohio getting a Republican, I mean, a, a Democrat person you know 
you know, uh, you know, Democrats voting for Republican. Because it's about the rules, I think we've been more exposed to how these big bills keep coming across in the, in Congress because they won't let our representatives, our representatives have any kind of say. Once they get that gavel as speaker, they narrow what goes on the floor. We just, you know, I like that he's going to have only one person be able to kick him off. I like, I would like it that they would have only one bill at a time voted for. I would like that they would end up having that we as Americans can know what's going on and our representatives have more than 24 hours to vote on something as big as an omnibus bill. Right. And that's one other one that is one, o- one other one that's on the table that I don't I it may be a deal breaker and thank you Tanya for the phone call is term limits. They want a vote. They want Kevin McCarthy to agree to term limits, no more than three two-year terms for a congressman, and they want to be able to bring that up for a vote as well. So there are a lot of concessions they are asking McCarthy for. Some he has already agreed to, including the one-person motion to vacate. Uh, we'll see where it goes from there. And we're going to try to look behind the scenes next, right after the news, when we talk with Congressman Jim Jordan on AM 1420 The Answer. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. 9.36, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. We have to do the oversight and the investigations that need to be done. This idea that bureaucrats who never put their name on a ballot but think they run the country, who have assaulted our constituents' First Amendment liberties, they need to be held accountable. That has to happen. We need to do it... Congressman Jim Jordan passionately supporting the uh, the oversight and the accountability on of everything the Democrats have done and allowed to have ha- have happen over the last two years, but not just the last two years, everything they did during the Trump administration as well. It's why he wants to be the chair of the Judiciary Committee and not the Speaker of the House. Those remarks came as he nominated Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House. We now go today at noon to what is expected to be round seven of the voting that just is not showing any signs of cracking at this moment in time. And joining us to discuss is Congressman Jordan himself on AM 1420, The Answer. Congressman, good morning. Thank you for making the time. How are you? You bet. I'm, I'm fine, Bob. Happy New Year, Dean. Good to be with you. Good to talk to, talk to you as always. I wasn't sure we'd talk this morning, actually, because I know how busy you are behind <laughs> the scenes, um, you know, in addition to, of course, what happens on the on the floor in the chamber. Yeah. Uh, so I appreciate you coming on. So let's talk well, you about... you put me on every week for... For I don't know how many years now, uh, Bob. So I, I appreciate that, and it's uh, been nice to have a chance each week to visit with uh, with all your listeners. And so, uh, yeah, we, we we always try to make time for your uh, your program. Well, that is very very kind of you. I do appreciate. It. I have to admit, selfishly, I kind of wish you would be speaker, so I could say I have the speaker of the House of Representatives in the United States government <laughs> on every week on my program. That would be very very cool. Um, but I'm not selfish. I want what's right for the country, and I know you do too. If you were selfish, yep. you might you might take the nomination from Matt Gates and the support you got from 19 other Republicans uh, who voted for you uh, to be the speaker and say, "All right, let's do this thing." But you're not being selfish. You want to do what's right. Can you explain to me how the conversations have gone, even behind the scenes, with people like Gates and others well, who have said, "Jim, we need you to be the guy." Well, we're we're we're, uh, we're having all kinds of conversations, and we're working on it, and we're hoping we'll, that hopeful that we can get there. 
Um, and the reason we, I think we need to get there and get moving is, is I said this in my remarks the other day on the, on the House floor. Mm-hmm. I do think this Congress, is, this, this 118th Congress, this upcoming Congress is so basic. There were three key things we've got to work on. We've got to pass the legislation that'll, that'll fix the problems that, that have been caused in the last two years by the left running our government. And we all know what those are. We need to pass it, send it to the Senate. If they don't take it up and if President Biden won't sign it and won't support it, so be it. We'll have an election in 2024, and they'll have to answer for that. Then we need to also never let something like that, the appropriations process, never let something like that monstrosity that passed two weeks ago today, that $1.7 trillion package, never let that happen again. And we need to have a different strategy uh, on our appropriations process. Do our work and stand firm and tell the Senate, if you don't deal with what we send to you as Republicans and doing common sense things on the appropriations, then we're going to just stick with the CR which means we don't grow government. And frankly, that'd be some of the biggest savings we've ever given the American taxpayer if we do that, if they don't want to do the right thing. And then finally, what you, what you started your, your, this, this segment with is that oversight has to be done because the first step in stopping the abuses of, of, uh, of, our, of our liberties is, is exposing what they've done so that you can begin to stop it and never have it happen again. And that's what I want to focus on. I've been clear about that for, for several years. So let's get united, let's elect a speaker, and let's get to work doing what the American people elect us to do. And I think that is so basic, so 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 simple, so straightforward, um, but we can't really get started on that mission and that task until we get a speaker. And so that's what we're working on trying to do. And I'm, I'm, I felt like we made some progress last night, but we'll see today on the vote. Congressman Jordan, um, I, I want to talk a little bit more, like I said, a little more behind the scenes if, with what you're able to disclose about what you're hearing from mm-hmm. the 19 holdouts, including yesterday with the nomination of Byron Donald. Um, they, they are just steadfast in their opposition to Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy, from what I understand, has given a lot of concessions uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to make this more palatable for them if they don't trust him. But what are they saying to you about why they just won't bend? They won't break? They won't make a deal? They won't say, here's what, well, what it will take for us to actually elect Kevin McCarthy and put this behind us. Some of those, some of those 19 were, uh, uh, were in a meeting uh, last night uh, with, uh, with, with some, some folks who were supporting Kevin, and, and there were others of us in that meeting as well. Um, and, and so I felt that was productive. Um, I, I, I don't typically get into the details of those meetings, but I did feel it was productive that, you know, there were about 10 of us meeting, uh, some of us who were supporting Kevin and some who were on the other side, and, and we, we were trying to hash out things that could – make the place work better so that we could better represent the American people and do the work we're supposed to do. And, and that's got to be the focus. This is about the American people. And I, I respect the, the 20 people who, who have voted against uh, uh, Leader McCarthy. Um, they're good folks. They're my friends. Uh, and, and we just got to keep working through this. Uh, I, I thought one of my colleagues made a really good point on the floor yesterday. The founders, they, 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 they knew democracy wasn't always just easy and neat. It's kind of messy sometimes. And frankly, it's one of the, one of the checks on power. Negotiate and work these kind of things out. You have to get 218. You have to get a majority of the House to, uh, to elect a speaker. That's all part of the checks and balances the, the, the founders, in their wisdom, put in our system. And uh, we'll just have to work through it, and I think we'll get through it, and then we'll move on with the work we need to do uh, for the country. Yeah, I heard that. I think it was Gallagher, maybe, uh, who said that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah, and he was right. He said democracy is messy, and it was made messy on purpose by the founders. It yep. shouldn't be something where we all just immediately rubber stamp something. There's got to be debate. There's got to be discussion. There's got to be a fight, if and, need be, to get to the right, yeah. the right conclusion. Go ahead. Yeah. And no, no, I was just say, Bob, and frankly, that's, that's Republicans. We're independent. That's Americans. You know, I always tell folks, Americans, by nature, we don't like being told what to do. 
It's, it's the reason we left Europe, because over in Europe they said, you got to practice your faith a certain way, and they said, no, we don't. And we're willing to get on the ship and risk it all and come to this place called America where you have freedom. And that, that is sort of in the, the DNA of Americans and most certainly in the DNA of Republicans. And I think we're seeing that on display. That's, that's, that's a good quality, but we just, you just got to work through it and get, get united, as I said. But sometimes it takes a little time. Congressman, um, I want to ask you big picture about the brand, uh, any damage that might be being done to the Republican brand. Because while Gallagher is right, the founders intentionally made it messy. You got to get to 218, and that's not easy. They couldn't have envisioned envisioned Twitter. They couldn't have envisioned 24 7 television news cycle, (laughs) all reporting on every word and every crossword between Republicans in the battle to get where you need to be. So there, there, there's, there's a real, you know, there's a real concern here. I think of Republicans being looked at as the party of chaos. Does that concern you in terms of big picture? No, we'll get through that. I think the, the bigger, the bigger concern, and I understand with with uh, the the 24 hour news and social media. I understand, and the, and the media, the mainstream press is always wanting to that they love any type of disagreement amongst Republicans, and of course they never they never cover disagreements among the left and the crazy things the left are up to. So, so I, I get all that, but I think the real the real concern about damage to the Republican brand is what happened two weeks ago. Is is the, the 1.7 trillion bill that a handful of Republicans did with with all the Democrats? That's the damage couple to the of brand. And that's what was, couple, couple of yeah, large yeah. handfuls, actually. Sadly, yeah, exactly. And so that's that's what we got to be uh, trying to stop. And that's why I specifically referenced that kind of um, that that bill uh, in my remarks on on uh, the other day. So. Um, that's that's what we got to focus on. We'll get through this. Uh, it may may take a little while, but um, we'll get through it. And then then it's time to hit the ground running and, and get to work uh, for the country. Will there be long lasting ramifications among the relationships of Republican colleagues here? Because Dan Crenshaw going on Guy Benson's show on live national radio and saying that those holdouts are terrorists. He said, we can't let the terrorists win. When he was criticized for that, he said, oh, grow up, get thick skin. It's just a figure of speech. It's not, though. You, you talk terrorists in the United States of America uh, you know, in a very, very dangerous time and in a world where you know we've seen terrorism and what it can do to us. I mean, that's pretty bad. And there are some. Yeah. He, I think he went on to say, those people are our enemies. Um, can yeah. that be? Can that be restored? Can working collegial friendship type relationships be restored after that? Yeah, they have to be because this, I've actually this is one speech I have given uh, to my colleagues. Uh, uh, we we ha- I, I I said it again the other day on the floor. We, we only got a we're, we're two hundred twenty two. We've got a four seat majority. We had better work together. Or or because because any differences that exist, uh, and I think this is so important. Any differences that existed within the Republican conference pale in comparison to the differences between us and the left, which now control the Democrat Party. So we had better work together to stop where they want to take the country, and we've seen that in two years. I mean, think about it. We, we, we have a border that's not a border. We have a military that can't meet its recruiting goals. We have terrible energy policy, terrible education policy, record spending, record debt, record inflation, and a government that, as we've talked about, has been weaponized against we, the people, the American citizens. So that's what's happened in two years. We better figure out that the, the, the small differences that exist in the Republican Party are nothing compared to where – Biden and the left want to take the country. And so the sooner we can, we can work together and not call each other names, figure out who our speaker is going to be, the sooner that we can then get to focusing on stopping where they want to go. And that is what we have to figure out. That is how we have to unite because it's really that important. And I, I'm, 
we can't call people names. We can't do it's just not healthy from either side within the within the Republican conference. We just got to understand that, and that's that's what I've been trying to work on, and we'll continue to do until we get united and and get moving. Congressman Jim Jordan joins us this morning as the uh, House uh, uh, fight for the speakership continues today. They're going to meet again at noon and have another vote. Um, uh, No reason really to think at this moment in time, Congressman, that it's going to change much. Uh, Representative Gates, your colleague, strong colleague, uh, is Uh is kind of reveling in this. He said McCarthy is, quote, a desperate guy whose vote share is dropping with every subsequent vote. It doesn't sound like he is any closer to saying, hey, uh, Leader McCarthy has made a lot of concessions here for us. We, we're getting closer to being able to back him. Do you think there's anything Kevin McCarthy can say or any uh, concessions he can give that will flip Mr. Gates or some of the others who are real well, hardliners among the 19 that are holding out? Maybe not all of them, um, but I, I, I do think, uh, as I said, you have we had to be at least 15 of them, right? You have to be at least 15 yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, I think we'll we'll know today at noon if if we're moving in the right direction, and let's let's hope that we are. Um, but um, like I said, the the meeting we were in last night was I think the most productive one we've had in several weeks in trying to uh, to to come together. Um, so we'll, we just got we just got to keep after it and get it done. Uh, Congressman, one of the concessions that has been made and and has been demanded, I guess, is is a vote on term limits. Uh, and some are calling mm-hmm. for no more than three two year terms. Now, you've been in Congress for what about five terms, six terms, mm-hmm. seven terms? Yeah, longer than somewhere uh, in the neighborhood. 16, eight, yeah, eight, years, eight, 15, eight, 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 eighteen eight. years now. Oh, eight terms, sixteen years. Okay, thank you. So, um, I, I've never I've never viewed you or read you as I've studied your career going on, and certainly since we've been talking, as a guy who's um, you know, a career politician for the sake of advancement, for the sake of personal uh, uh, achievement and so forth. I, I don't feel like you're that guy, but I have also very much valued your time in this Congress. I don't want to see you go or guys like you go. <laughs> I but, but No, I mean that. But on the flip side, I also kind of agree with term limits because I think yeah. it, would, it would stop people who are about personal advancement and career politicians yeah. who want to stay for 20, 30 years and who are if, out, outlive their usefulness, if I could say that respectfully and all that. Yeah, but yeah. but I'm kind of I'm kind of for it. Where are you if there was to be a no, vote I'm, I'm, granted yeah. on term limits? Yeah, I'm for I'm I'm for it. Um, I, I think I think 12 makes probably the most sense. That you know kind of corresponds to a you get two terms in the Senate, you get six terms in the House, and I, I support that. Um, it take a constitutional amendment to do it. Uh, I actually supported it when it was on the ballot back in Ohio. Ooh, what would it be? 30 years ago, I guess, the early 90s, um, that, that when we got term limits for the state house and state senate, there was also on the ballot term limits for, for uh, Congress. But then, of course, the Supreme Court said that you couldn't do that because you can't have one state doing it and another state not. Um, so uh, I support it, and uh, I think you're, you're going to lose some good folks. And I appreciate the, the nice word you said about me. I don't know if everyone thinks the same, but uh, you, you lose some good folks. But on balance, I think newer, fresher people coming in um, is, is, is probably a darn good thing. So uh, I support it. Well, uh, they can say what they want about you. I mean, you're, you're, the fact that you're sitting where you are right now, having been nominated for speaker and, and saying, no, I don't want to be speaker shows you are not for personal advancement. I mean, how many people, as a matter of fact, I talked to somebody yesterday who said they really believe that Kevin McCarthy is looking to check that career box. He has wanted to be speaker ever since he got into Congress and he wants to check that career box that I held that very powerful position, third in line to the presidency, blah, blah, blah. You're, you're being pushed for it, and you don't want it. So I don't believe you're about personal advancement. It's guys <laughs> like you that we want to keep in Congress because you want to be there to serve, not for personal growth and gain. 
I want to hold that. You, you know what I really want to do, Bob, is I want to hold the FBI accountable for what what do. they've done. The, 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 you think about what what has happened to our First Amendment. That this what scares me more than anything that's going on in our government, in our culture, in our country today is what the government has done to the most fundamental liberties we enjoy, including your right to practice your faith, your right to speak, all those fundamental liberties we have. That's what I want to try to expose as best we can so that we can stop it from ever happening in the greatest country in history, from ever happening in our great country again. That, that, is, that is what I want to get done. I think that is so important for the health of our great nation. Um, and like I said, I hope we get united here soon so we can get after that that fundamental task. Well, and you know, again, that's why I respect you, because I feel like that's what you want to do is serve. If you would rather serve as a committee chair and hold people accountable for the betterment of the country rather than be Speaker of the House and say, I have power, then you're doing it the right way. Last question for you. Away from all the drama right now on the Hill and in the on the House floor, uh, Joe Biden is apparently going to Mexico, and uh, he said this. Yes. Are you going to do this in the border when you head down to, to Mexico? That's my intention. We're working out the details now. That's my intention. Will you go? He wouldn't go to the border when he was in Arizona. Uh, so now when you go to Mexico, will you visit the border as part of it? He said, that's my intention. We're working out the details now. Do you think he actually will? I hope so. I, I mean, you know, look, I, you and I disagree with so much of the probably every policy Joe Biden's done this, this first two years here. But this is a fundamental task of the of the commander in chief to to protect our country, protect our border, the fentanyl and all the we, we, we don't have to get we, we know how bad it is. But in the fact that he won't go there and he won't step up to the to the task at hand and deal with that. I mean, I hope he does. And I hope he freaking changes his policies and goes goes back to the things that we know um, we know work because it is so frustrating. And the landowners down there, the mayors down, the Democrat mayors on the border are, are, are talking about how bad this is. Um, so I, I certainly hope so. But more importantly, I hope he begins to change the policies and actually implement and, and enforce the laws that are on the books to have a border to our country again. Yeah, you know, I, I hope those things, too. And here's what I fear. He goes down there in between him and the leadership in Mexico. They're going to whitewash an area of the border. They're going to completely clear it. They're going to make sure that the press pool that follows him looks and says, what's everybody complaining about? This is There's hardly anything here yeah. at all. You know, I mean, yeah. that's the reason he hasn't yeah. gone down, because he's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be exposed when he goes there. They're going to have to follow. And somebody besides Bill Malugin on Fox is actually going to have to cover the border. Nobody else yep. is doing it. And that's what I'm afraid is they're going to whitewash it, have a clear clean area and say, look, this is no problem. We're okay. Yeah. Well, let's hope not. Let's hope that there's, there's some people still in the, in the mainstream press who are going to report the facts and the truth. Um, well, not just the folks at Fox and some of the conservative outlets. Uh, so let's hope so. Super quick, quick. Yes or no question. Uh, crystal ball this, do we have a new speaker by the end of the day today? Uh, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> uh, I, I do. Uh, but, We'll, uh, we'll we'll find out, Bob. I, I hope so. <laughs> uh, yes or no question, and I got an I hope so. That does not make me optimistic. No, I know. I appreciate the. I get. I get it. You don't know, and I I totally understand. None of us do at this point in time. It's a very very yeah. complex and messy situation, as Gallagher said. Yeah. Jim Jordan, thank you for coming on. Thank you for the work you that you're doing, and hopefully next week. By the time we talk next week, we will have that speaker in place, and we can talk about holding people accountable. Thanks, Bob. Take care. Thank you, sir. Uh, that's Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. Um, we're bringing you the newsmakers, the biggest newsmakers in America right now. And we're doing it right here on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer.
You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now in a very, very important Always Right Radio episode. Thanks for being with us. Why is it important? Because we're talking about some of the biggest newsmakers in America today. We just talked to Jim Jordan, who is fighting very, very hard to not be Speaker of the House in Washington, D.C. He's fighting very, very hard for Kevin McCarthy to be that Speaker so that he can go about his business as chair of the Judiciary Committee, holding people accountable, particularly the Democrats who have broken so many laws and uh, committed so many constitutional violations over the course of the last several years. He wants uh, to hold the investigations. He wants to um, make sure that people are, as they say, held accountable. So that's going to be his job uh, as uh, chair of the Judiciary Committee. But before he can get to that work, we've got to find a speaker. And it's going to have to be uh, decided one way or the other. We've had just as much of a mess finding a Speaker of the House in the state of Ohio. And we're going to talk coming up next hour with two individuals who are on opposite sides of the way that went down. The uh, Republican caucus decided in November that conservative Derek Maron would be the new House Speaker. It made a lot of conservatives very, very happy. But in between November and this week, a small faction of Ohio Republicans got together and recruited a bunch of Democrats to choose a moderate speaker, one who is not a conservative or viewed in any way as quite the conservative Derek Maron is, and their coup was successful. A small group of Republicans, a large group of Democrats, chose the new Republican speaker, Jason Stevens. So we're going to talk with a couple of individuals, one on each side of that situation, uh, DJ Swearingen and Gary Click. They'll both join us in the next hour. But joining us now for the first time in 2023 is our regular Thursday commentator. I like to call him a general of the army, of our army in the culture wars. Dr. Everett Piper is back with us. He is a best-selling author. He is a uh, columnist of the Washington Times. He is a radio host. His podcast radio show is called uh, The Rebellion. And now he has probably, and he'll confirm that with me in a moment, taken office as county commissioner in Osage County, Oklahoma. Dr. Piper, good to have you for the first time in the new calendar year. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Bob. Um, Happy New Year. And yes, I am in Pahuska, Oklahoma right now. I'm sitting in a parking lot talking to you. (laughs) And I can see the pioneer woman. Uh, mercantile. So if people follow the Food Channel, Pahuska is the home of the Pioneer Woman, and her famous mercantile is within eyeshot of my truck right now. Wow. How about that? Well, that that's wonderful. Congrats. You were sworn in this week, right, I would imagine, on Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday I was sworn in as county commissioner for District 1 in Osage County. Terrific, terrific. Very, very glad to hear that. The people there are lucky to have you. And we're lucky to have you each and every week to talk about some of the most important things uh, going on in our country, again, particularly as it pertains to faith and uh, and our culture war. So let us start, as we often do, uh, with your most recent column in the Washington Times. And you and I discussed this when it was in progress, talking about the canceling of Kirk Cameron. The actor, Kirk Cameron, uh, who a lot of people know is a very, very strong man of faith, who just really is a believer in family, and who wrote a book that apparently um, 
didn't sit well with uh, with a lot of people, including library boards. The same library boards that were happy to bring uh, men dressed in sexualized women clothing doing sexually perverted dances for children to read to those children and try to normalize that behavior. Those same library boards refused to let Kirk Cameron come in and do a reading of his book on faith and family. You and I discussed it, and apparently a lot of people discussed it because the backlash led to some of those boards caving and the results were amazing. Tell us about it. Well, I think the best story is in your neighboring state, Indiana, where the Indianapolis Public Library initially uh, said no when Kirk Cameron's publisher reached out and said, can Mr. Cameron come and do a, a, a story hour in your library with, his, with regard to his new children's book? And as we discussed last week, the topic of that book is what the Bible calls the fruits of the Spirit. Actually, those are termed by the Apostle Paul, I believe it's in his letter to the Colossians. And those fruits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's it. Kirk Cameron's book teaches children to be loving, kind, patient, good, faithful, and self-control. And the library said, no, we don't want you to read that. (laughs) Okay, so Kirk Cameron graciously, uh, in keeping with the fruits of the Spirit, said, I'd, I'd like you to reconsider um, but if you don't, I'll exercise my First Amendment right. End of the story is the library reversed course. Good for them. Kirk Cameron had a reading in that library, and guess what? 2,500 people plus showed up to hear that reading. Not 25, like you see in these drag queen story hours. 2,500 people showed up to hear Kirk Cameron read about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You know, the moral of the story for me, and you know I wrote about it in my column in the Washington Times, is this. It's said that John Wesley, back in the mid-1700s, said, Set yourself afire, and the world will beat a path to your doorstep to watch you burn. And I think that's exactly what Kirk Cameron did. He set himself afire with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. He set himself afire with the virtues of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and the world will beat a path to your door to watch you burn. So we all just need to applaud Kirk Cameron, thank him for what he's doing, and then follow his leadership and do the same thing. Yeah, I love that you declared him the 2022 story of the year, and I love I love the outcome, I really do, for all the reasons you just listed, and the fact that 2,500 people showed up, which just should scream to everybody in this country that we are not the depraved um, you know, libido living society that they want us to be. We are not a country that wants to sexualize our children. We are not a country that wants to normalize deviant behavior. We believe in all of those things, love, joy, peace, patience, et cetera. And, um, and, and 2,500 people just, just, just swarmed the library and said that, and it should be a message that goes through. And while I'm excited and thrilled about the outcome there, Dr. Piper, I'm still outraged that it had to happen. I'm still outraged yeah. that the the original message from more than 50 libraries that he reached out to to have a reading said no, essentially because love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control is hate speech. You can't bring that hate speech in here. We're going to bring the drag queens in here, but you can't bring that stuff in here. I'm still disturbed by that. You know, the the the, the 2,500 was necessary uh, in order to be able to overcome that. Well, rightfully so. The culture war is not over. I mean, this is on the front line of the battle. But Kurt Cameron has given us an example of how we fight this battle. 
we've got the, the better ammunition. We have biblical ammunition. And the proof's in the pudding. People respond to that. And you're spot on when you say, this has exposed that our culture is not as screwed up as we think it is. We've got a lot of people out there, millions of people out there, that are begging for people like Kirk Cameron to step forward and do this. They're begging for you. They're begging for me. They're begging for everybody listening to the show right now to just simply do our job and step into the fray, set ourselves afire with righteousness, with truth, with dignity, with honor, set ourselves afire with the virtues rather than the vices, and people will come and watch, and they'll applaud. We have an opportunity. What a wonderful time to be alive. And I need to say this before we get off this Kirk Cameron story. Mm -hmm. He actually tracked me down and sent me a personal email message thanking me for standing with him in this fight. He's a class act. This guy is exactly who he portrays himself as being. Who does that? Who tracks down a stranger and sends a three-paragraph thank you note for writing an article in the Washington Times about this story? He is a good man. That is a great, I'm so glad to hear that. He is every bit as genuine and real and sincere in his beliefs uh, as he comes off. And so I'm so glad to hear that he reached out to you for that. All right, Dr. Piper, story number two. These are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. When you're born a girl baby, you grow up to be a bigger girl and then a woman. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine, your body's fancy, and so is mine. Only girls can grow up to be the mummies. Only boys can grow up to be the daddy. Everybody's fancy, everybody's fine. Your body's fancy, and so is mine. I just tweeted it out a few minutes ago. I've tweeted Mr. Rogers many times over the last month or two since I first became aware of these uh, archives of his shows and the messages he was sending in the 70s and early 80s, even maybe back in the 60s. And my tweet said, attention all confused and attention seekers in the millennial and Gen Z generations. Here's what you missed. They missed Mr. Rogers. They missed that message. Uh, let's talk about why, and you shared an article with me, why Mr. Rogers was better than Barney, but he'd be in big trouble today. Well, it's actually, John Stone Street wrote that article for Breakpoint, mm-hmm. Chuck Colson's old show. Right. And um, it's an excellent article. People can go look it up. But essentially, uh, John Stone Street is highly highlighting the fact of how much our culture's changed. Mr. Rogers was universally loved by everybody. Right, left, center, everybody loved Mr. Rogers and wanted him to train up their children as we, you know, took a break from parenting and let our kids watch PBS uh, television. Uh, and here he's saying the obvious. And there was just a blink of time yesterday, basically, in mm-hmm. terms of history. He's saying the obvious. Boys are, bo- are born to be boys, and girls are born to be girls. Only boys can grow up to be daddies, and only girls can grow up to be mommies. And Stone Street's pointing out that if anybody said that today, they'd be canceled. And he's right. They would be. That's how crazy the left has become. Now, I enjoyed this story. I've got to throw in this personal anecdote. Mr. Rogers was actually my commencement speaker when I graduated from Bowling Green State University just down the road from you back in 1987 with my master's degree. It was a blast. He actually got up in front of the whole audience in the football stadium, and he, the first words out of his mouth to the graduating class were this, do you want to sing? <laughs> and everybody, everybody got up, and we sang It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood with Mr. Rogers leading us. 
This man was a good man. He was teaching basically what the Apostle Paul talks about in the Kirk Cameron story. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, the obvious truths that boys are boys and girls are girls, and that you should be proud of the way God has created you, and that as adults we should be nurturing that righteous pride, and that and don't confuse girls and make them feel inferior because they're girls, and don't confuse boys and make them feel less than what they should be simply because they're boys. Mr. Rogers was teaching truth, and that's something we ought to pull out of the archives and 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 recover again and teach the same thing. Well, and and in in playing that and talking about that, uh, he did this from 1968 to 1991, which is just incredible. I mean, he influenced so many people. We should point out what airs now in its place. Uh, it used to be Mr. Rogers singing everybody's fancy. Uh, simple science and basic facts of human human beings um, uh, on PBS. Now on PBS, as pointed out in the article by Stone Street that you pointed that you uh, you shared with me uh, in a segment from the Let's Learn TV series on PBS, the story that they featured was a drag queen who goes by the name of Lil Miss Hot Mess <clears throat> singing lines from a book. The hips on the drag queen go swish, swish, swish to the tune of the wheels on the bus go round and round. Um, Little Miss Hot Mess is a grown man dressing in flamboyant and exaggerated women's clothing and makeup for little kids and teaching little kids that this is normal. Uh, That's what's on PBS today. And that, dare I say, Dr. Piper, is why the culture war exists. It's why we need to fight to let our kids be kids again and let our kids be grounded in reality again because it's this kind of stuff put on children's television on on PBS that is leading to so many confused kids saying, you know, essentially letting their formative brains or having their formative brains tell them that, yes, I want to be different. I want to be something other than what I am. It's intentional grooming and confusing of children to, to advance and grow uh, what I believe is a larger cultural and political agenda. Spot on. And, and I would say this. The good news in what we're talking about today is there, there's, there's a majority of people that agree with you and agree with me and agree with Kirk Cameron, and they, they agree with Mr. Rogers. They, they agree that it's our responsibility to teach basic truths and virtues to our children. What the Old Testament calls, says and is to train up a child in the way you should, he should go so that when he's old, he does not depart. That's our responsibility but the bad news here is we cannot trust Disney, we cannot trust PBS, we cannot trust Sesame Street to do that any longer. They're overtly trying to groom your kids because they know. Child, child psychology tells us this, that the young brain is very malleable, and it can be formed. And if you can get, I think there's an old phrase in Catholic circles that if you can get the kid for the first seven years of his life and catechize him, he's going to be Catholic for life. And I, that's true. They know the same thing on the left, and they're trying to groom your kids, to catechize your kids in LGBTQIA alphabet wokeism as opposed to the truth of Scripture and the truth of, of God, the truth of Christ. That's very well said, Dr. Piper. And um, I want to just morph into our third uh, uh, story here this morning, our third topic, because it's very related to this one. And we're going to forego our break, and we'll just kind of break a little bit early for the news. I wish you hadn't shared this one with me, uh, but here it is. Uh, World Economic Forum declares pedophiles will save humanity. 
Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum Forum is set to have families and anyone who cares about children up in arms over a statement that is being made and a belief that pedophiles will actually save humanity. And 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 by the way, I wonder if they're going to change the word pedophile, which is being done in a number of other quote unquote healthcare and medical and psychological circles. They're changing that to minor attracted persons because pedophile has such a negative connotation. And gee, why would it? Uh, but the World Economic Forum, which is, I don't know, just, you know, evil spawned on Earth, I guess. Um, this is what they're doing. This is what they're normalizing. And you say what to that? Well, it's a research paper that they had presented at the World Economic Forum. So it's a real deal. It's a real story. They're basically arguing because pedophiles are having sex with uh, underage children, uh, underage persons is what they call them. They don't even call them children. Right. Um they won't give birth because they're not fertile yet. So these 45-year-old guys having sex with a 10-year-old or 12-year-old girl, uh, you're going to decrease the human population. You're going to save the world. What a wonderful thing for uh, global warming and climate change solutions to have fewer people. So let's normalize this. They're actually saying that in a paper. And lest the folks listening right now think that this, well, that'll never happen. Yes, it is happening. New Zealand and France have already implemented laws where they're dumbing down the age of consent to, I believe it's 12 in New Zealand, and in France they don't even have an age of consent any longer. So they're already compromising childhood innocence by declaring them not children, but underage persons, and saying that if there's no proof proof of coercion or force, then people having sex doesn't matter anymore as long as the child consented. Well, what child of 8 or 10 years of age can consent to anything like that, legally, morally, ethically, or in any way, shape, or form? But we're talking about it at the, at the international level, and we're also entertaining the same thing here in the United States. Well, you know, first of all, I did not know that France had no age of consent at all. Uh, second of all, the fact that anybody could make that argument. Forget about whether or not they actually have the mind or the mental form- formation or, or, or maturity to, to consent. How easy is it for an adult to take an eight-year-old that he or she has just raped and say, you better say you wanted to do this, or I'm going to do it to your brother. You better say you wanted me to do this, and you consented to it, or I'm going to do it to your sister, or I'm going to hurt your mom. Do you know how easy it is to terrify and, 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 and intimidate little kids in so many different ways to make them say, yes, I wanted to do that? I mean, my God in heaven, this is, this is the WEF. Go ahead. Jesus said, better for a millstone to be tied around your neck and be cast into the sea than to lead one of these little ones astray and cause them to stumble. And if this doesn't fit within that definition, I don't know what is. What does? Jesus isn't very kind to these people that are, that are abusing children in this way. Well, and sadly, those people won't find that out until their day has come. And uh, in the meantime, they get to continue to... to, to um to uh, harm these children. Dr. Everett Piper, uh, really, really appreciate you coming on. It's uh, good to get off to a good start in the new year. A lot of very important issues that you bring to light. I hope people are sharing them with others as well as we continue to fight this culture war. Dr. Piper, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Blessings. Bye-bye. 1028. We'll get uh, time out here. We'll come back with some, we'll get some news. Then we're going to come back. And for the first time, I'm going to talk to Senator J.D. Vance. Now, I've talked to J.D. Vance many times, but not when he's been a senator. He's one now, and he'll join us on AM 1420 The Answer.
spreading the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always Right Radio with Bob France and The Answer. We better figure out that the, the, the small differences that exist in the Republican Party are nothing compared to where Biden and the left want to take the country. And so the sooner we can we can work together and not call each other names, figure out who our speaker is going to be, the sooner that we can then get to focusing on stopping where they want to go. And that is what we have to figure out. That is how we have to unite because it's really that important. And I, I'm, we can't call people names. We can't do it's just not healthy from either side within the within the Republican conference. We just got to understand that. And that's that's what I've been trying to work on. And we'll continue to do until we get united and, and get moving. Great stuff. Uh, earlier this morning from Congressman Jim Jordan, who has been named and identified and nominated as a potential speaker by the uh, outsiders, if you will. Dan uh, Crenshaw would call them traitors. In fact, called them terrorists, called them enemies. And that's what Jim Jordan was referring to there. The outsiders who continue to oppose Kevin McCarthy for the speakership of the House uh, are holding fast. They're meeting again at noon today to have another vote. It would be vote number seven as the Republican Party looks to get itself in order. Now, over in the upper chamber, things are much, much more clear. There's no drama there because there was no change in power there. The uh, Democrats continue to be led by Chuck Schumer as the majority leader in the uh, Senate, and the Republicans continue to be led by Mitch McConnell as the minority leader. However, there are some new names and some new faces that are in that upper chamber, including our next guest. I talked to him many times as candidate. J.D. Vance. I talked to him as primary candidate, then as general election candidate against Tim Ryan. And now for the first time, I get to say out loud, welcome to Always Right Radio, Senator J.D. Vance from Ohio. Bob, it's good to be with you. Congratulations. Uh, can you talk about the feeling that you had when you when you took that oath of office and you were finally sworn in on Tuesday? Yeah, you know, of course, Bob was an emotional day, uh, just a very big day for for me and the whole family. And the way they set it up is that in the Senate gallery, uh, they allow, especially for the new guys, a bunch of, of, you know, a bunch of tickets into the gallery. And so my wife and my kids and pretty much my whole extended family was up there. And the really funny thing, Bob, is that, you know, we have a two-year-old who's particularly, uh, particularly loud. And the entire time you could hear this voice shouting from the gallery, Dad! dad and that was that was our two-year-old to the point where a few guys came over and said who's that kid yelling i was like that's fine uh but it it was it was a great day um and and definitely had the opportunity to sort of soak it all in and now you know the hard part begins because i'm I'm very mindful of the people of ohio didn't just give me a great honor they also gave me a great responsibility and i am to do something with it We'll do the forward-looking thing here in a moment, but just one more on getting to where you got on Tuesday. When you look back at the process, I mean, is, does it seem surreal, and does it seem like it was a lifetime from when you decided to run? You made your announcement that you were going to run. You immediately drew fire from a very crowded field of people who saw you as a, as a genuine threat in the primary, but you work your way through that. Uh, you get the nomination, and then you have the long fight against Tim Ryan, TV, TV commercials uh, completely misrepresenting who you are and what you are. When you look back at it, J.D., does it, excuse me, Senator, when you look back on it, does it does it seem like uh, uh, it flew by or does it seem like that was an eternity and finally now I can get to work? You know, it reminds me of a phrase I once heard about Marine Corps boot camps, that the uh, the days are short but the weeks are long. And I think that's probably, probably how it felt on the campaign trail is that you know, each particular day you're just grinding it out. Uh, you don't really notice, uh, but 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 you really look back on it. It does feel like a very long time. And 
You know, just, just personally, Bob, think about this. When we started the campaign, uh, we had two babies, a toddler and, and, and a tiny baby. We, you know, we ended the campaign with three kids, uh, a baby, a toddler and a kid in kindergarten. Uh, you know, obviously just, just got to see different parts of the state and, and parts of the state in a new way. Uh, so it, it was really an amazing experience, but definitely a long campaign um, and, and, and something that I always cherish. You know, I, I, I've heard this from other guys who have run before. You never forget your first campaign. You never forget the first time you're on a ballot. And I certainly think that'll be true for us and, and, and for the whole family. Senator Vance, um, I'm going to ask you about the biggest difference that you can tell Ohioans that they can expect from you as opposed to your predecessor. I was just reading a couple of clips about you taking office and being sworn in, quote, replacing Rob Portman, which, of course, we all know that's what the goal was. What's the biggest difference between you and Rob Portman and the way you plan to um, to do the job in the seat that he wants held? You know, obviously, I've learned a lot from, from Rob, and I come in, um, you know, just taking a different approach and, and, and a slightly different style. I think there are any specific number of issues that where we disagree on. I mean, just take the recent omnibus bill. I believe he voted for it. Um, I, I certainly would have voted against it, in part because whoever the Speaker of the House is on the Republican side, I think we want to give that person the opportunity to really negotiate with the Biden administration. I mean, look, we're going to have to fund the government. We're going to have to make sure that we have a functioning federal government. But I think that if we had it killed the omnibus late last year, we would have given the new speaker an opportunity to really have some leverage over the Biden administration. So there are specific issues where we're going to disagree and obviously a lot of issues where we're going to agree. But I really just think, you know, Bob, I, I come at this from a different generation, from, from a different perspective stylistically. I, I tend to think that the country is in real crisis, that it's been in crisis for a very long time. And I'm not looking to, you know, rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic here. I'm really looking to get in there to hopefully shake things up. Uh, there's only so much we can do with a Democrat president and, and, and Chuck Schumer as majority leader, but we can at least force the Democrats to take some important votes. We can at least force them to suffer the consequences of doing nothing because, again, the country's got real problems, and I think the people of Ohio sent me there to at least try to solve them. And so I think I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive um, in, in, in my approach, and that will probably be the biggest difference aside from any specific policy issue. We're talking with uh, newly sworn-in Senator J.D. Vance, who has replaced Rob Portman. Um, let me ask you about the, the minority leader. There are a lot of conservative Republicans who are really, really upset that Mitch McConnell is going to continue to be in charge of the Republican uh, caucus in the in the United States Senate. Um, he has made some statements that, that make a lot of people question whether or not he is truly committed to the Constitution and conservatism or if he is committed to what many people refer to as the uniparty. Uh, he, he supported that uh, omnibus that you just pointed out that you opposed. He shepherded 18 votes from Republicans for a massive Democratic spending bill uh, that, of course, did go on, as you said, to pass through the then-Democrat-controlled House rather than waiting. How will you work with the minority leader? Will you seek advice or seek consultation with Mitch McConnell? Yeah, you know, Bob, I'm one of these guys who thinks you can disagree with somebody and still work with them. That's true for Democrats on the other side. Uh, that's true for Republicans you disagree with. Um, you know, I, I'm one of these guys. I don't think bipartisanship is always bad. I also don't think it's, it's always good. It really depends on, on the substance here. And uh, I, I think if you're if you if you got somebody you can work with, you ought to do it. And that's certainly what the people of Ohio expect me to do. Now, that said, of course, you know, I, I recognize I'm going to be more conservative than Mitch McConnell. I'm, I'm going to take votes uh, against Mitch McConnell and I'm going to speak up when I think that Mitch McConnell is wrong on things. And I think that independence is, is frankly one of the reasons why 
I was sent to do this job in the first place. I, I will say this, Bob. One, one of the things that we have to get better at as a conservative movement is applying points of pressure to fights where we actually can win. And I think, unfortunately, I, I don't know if it's just you know fatigue over the election. Obviously, a lot of people, including me, were disappointed, especially with some of the results on the Senate side. Uh, there, there was this sense where there was a critical period where Mike Lee proposed an amendment that I think could have got the omnibus killed. Yeah. Uh, I think it could have, you know, kicked, kicked it to the point where Speaker McCarthy or whoever the speaker is going to be would have actually had a voice, uh, with the Biden administration. And, and unfortunately we lost that point of leverage. And I think a lot of conservatives were just not even paying attention at that particular point. I'm sure you and your listeners were. Uh, but, but, uh, but one of the things I hope to bring to the table is look, we're not going to win every battle. Uh, we have to fight, but we also have to fight smart. And when there's an opportunity to really get something done, we have to really galvanize everybody so that we can apply the pressure and make sure. It's, let's be honest here. This is not just a leadership question. This is very often a membership question. Uh, it's, it's not just Mitch McConnell that voted for that omnibus. It's also some other, some other senators that I think could have benefited from having the grassroots apply some pressure. Unfortunately, look, we lost that fight. It didn't go the way that we wanted to. But there are going to be fights down the road where I think that we can productively apply pressure and not just have these fights, but actually win some of them. Yeah, which would be a, a welcome change. J.D. Vance is our guest. He's the newly sworn-in senator uh, from Ohio. He, of course, won a very, very difficult fight uh, against a lot of qualified Republican candidates and one less qualified Democrat candidate. Uh, and now it's time to get to work. Um, where do you see yourself in terms of your areas of strength and expertise? What committee assignments would you would you like? Do you have a first, second, third choice of of assignments that you might lobby for or request, or do you have any idea what they're thinking about for you? You know what? It's funny you say that, Bob, because it, it is time to get to work, uh, and at the same time, I'm not, I'm not sure if you realize this, but the day after the swearing-in ceremony, the Senate started a three-week recess. Uh, so the Democrats appear to not 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 be planning to do a whole lot of work over the Senate calendar over the next year, which I was kind of frustrated by. But then Tom Cotton, my new colleague, came up to me and said, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world uh, for the Democrats to not want to work hard, given that Chuck Schumer does control the gavel. Uh, so so it's, 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 it's a bit of a good news, bad news situation on that. You know, on, on committees, the things that I, I put up there are, you know, I'd love to sit on Senate Armed Services. Obviously, a lot of veterans, a lot of military installations here in the state of Ohio. I care a lot about defense policy and how we fund our military. Um, you know, I'd like to be on commerce, deals with the tech issue quite a bit. And I also like to deal with banking because, as you know, Bob, one of the big issues we have in the modern American economy is is the growth of so-called woke corporations that are using their power in the marketplace to really force a political vision down the throats of Americans that they didn't sign up for. And if we're being honest, their shareholders of those companies didn't sign up for either. And so I think there are a lot of ways where we can push back against that. So I, I listed banking as one of my, my assignments. I'm a freshman, so I'm low on the totem pole. I don't know what committee assignments I will get. But whatever I do, I think we're going to be able to do a lot of good. And at the very least, force some issues to the public conversation that the Democrats either have to come along with us, which would be great, or at the very least have to suffer the political consequences of allowing some of these problems to continue. Senator Vance, um, it's obviously not your chamber, so in a way it's not your circus. These are not your monkeys, but you are watching like the rest of us are uh, on the other side. Um, 
do you have a thought, even just as a casual American observer, you can remove yourself as a senator if you wish, about just the party and the need for party unity, the need for you know the chaos to kind of step to the side or be pushed to the side a little bit for the purposes of, you know, people think about, well, hey, this election just ended. It's true, but that means the 2024 campaigns have just begun. And that includes, you know, finding a new president, finding a new Republican nominee for president. And I feel like, I talked to Jim Jordan about this, I feel like the Republican brand is being damaged a little bit right now by the the chaos that we're all watching play out with vote after vote after vote on the House side. So just as an American and as a Republican, even if you don't want to speak as a senator, do you have a thought on the way that's all playing out? Yeah, so I'll, I'll let the House figure out the specifics of who their speaker are, speaker is, but let me offer just a few observations. One, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to have a floor fight. Um, ultimately, we're going to have a speaker. I think that what is likely to happen is that we get a speaker who makes a lot of good concessions to some of the conservatives in the House. And I've got friends on, on both sides of, the, sides of this fight. I mean, you mentioned Jim Jordan, Congresswoman Green, uh, one of my closest friends in the House of Representatives. She's very much on the pro-McCarthy side. Uh, obviously, Matt Gates, a guy who came to campaign with me in Ohio, is a guy on the, uh, very much on the anti-McCarthy side. Uh, so, I, 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 But I, I don't think the floor fight is actually that bad, Bob. I mean, this is, you know, democracy is, is sometimes messy. Uh, sometimes we have to have these fights. And sometimes you come out stronger having aired some grievances and gotten some some concessions from both sides for how to move forward as a party. So I actually feel pretty good about this process. And I think that the the media trying to turn this into a national embarrassment for Republicans, maybe you're right if it prolongs too long. But but I don't feel that right now. I think we're actually having a good conversation and a needed conversation. It'll help us over the next couple of years as we try to govern. I think it'll set set us up well for 2024. So I, I like where things are headed right now. I think that the conservatives are going to get some important concessions, and we're going to have a Republican speaker who can actually exert some influence over the Biden administration. Do you anticipate, uh, Senator Vance, um, any accountability being being applied here to some of the people that, you know, to, again, talking to Jordan and listening to James Comer is going to be charge of oversight, chair of oversight, uh, Jordan and judiciary. They're, all, they're planning massive investigations. They're planning oversight. They're planning subpoenaing a whole bunch of individuals from, from everything from the Hunter Biden laptop to the FBI and their targeting of parents uh, and so forth. Um, they, they have really grand ambitions. Um, do you expect that there will be accountability so that when we get to 2024, we won't have the kind of um, federal interference, particularly in their partnering with or their collusion, if you would like to use a stronger word, things like social media companies in order to advance the agenda of the Democrat Party? Do you think that oversight and accountability will happen? So I do, and I'm actually more optimistic uh, about that, Bob, because of the fight that the, the House conservatives have had over the last the last couple of weeks here. Uh, I think they're going to get some some real concessions over investigatory power, over ensuring that we do provide some oversight. And and you know, like you said, a lot of this stuff we're not going to be able to force the consequences themselves because Biden still controls the Department of Justice. But we are at least going to air out what actually happened and understand the American people can vote on this how their government failed them, how their government has been in many ways very corrupt from the leadership of the FBI to the leadership of Homeland Security. So, yeah, I I do think that we're going to get some answers, and I think that that's one issue where the House conservatives are very right to have this fight over. They want to make sure that whatever the composition of the House leadership is, that they can provide the oversight that the American people expect. And if we don't get that, think about all of, of, all of what's gone wrong in the country over the last couple of years, a disappointing election, very few leaders who have screwed things up have suffered any real consequences. 
This is the real opportunity, I think, to give Americans who are frustrated with what their government has been doing, it's the opportunity to actually listen to those Americans and get something done on their behalf. We have to do it. I think the House is the best forum because that's the only branch of government we control. And I think that, that, that I, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm not certain, but I'm optimistic this is going to go in the right direction. Well, you you just used a very important word: consequences. If we're, you know, it's it's kind of like the reason we have punishments for broken laws. We need to deter individuals from ever doing it again, and deterring others from, hey, look what happened to that guy. Let's not do that anymore. If we're, there are no consequences as a result of these investigations and this oversight, then then um, it will just be spinning our wheels. Uh, so I certainly hope you're right about that. Last question for you, Senator J.D. Vance. Uh, I asked you if you would be seeking the counsel of the Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and so forth. Let's talk about the people that you are definitely going to be counseling with. Who have you gotten close to uh, in the run-up to your swearing-in? Uh, who are your best friends in the Senate right now that you really feel like you're going to be able to learn the, the ropes from? Yeah, there are a few people I've gotten very close to. I mean, Josh Hawley has been a friend of mine for a long time. Um, you know, similar situation, young family, uh, similar worldviews. And so we talk quite a bit and we'll continue to be friends. Uh, Tom Cotton, I just mentioned, a guy I've been close with for a while, a very smart guy, a guy who, who knows the ways of Washington, uh, but sticks to his principles. Ted Cruz, I've gotten close with Ted over the last couple of years as well. So, you know, I, I think I certainly have some friends to lean on. I'm going to try to build as many relationships as possible because I think it's an important part of being a good senator for the people of Ohio. Uh, but, but again, the, the, the thing that I'm trying to keep in mind here, Bob, is I can't forget where I came from and I can't forget that I was, I, I was sent to do a job and I plan to do it. And I think so long as I accomplish those things, uh, we'll, we'll be in a much better position, and the people of Ohio will be happy for having sent me, and that's really the goal. You know, one of the very first things you said to me um, in you know the series of interviews that we did during the primary and the and the and the general run is is you said that um, I think you aren't com- uh, quite convinced about me, Bob, but I'm going to prove you wrong, and that's a paraphrase, uh, and I'm going to show you sure. what I'm about. And and I feel like uh, in getting to know you better over the course of several months. Uh, like this, I feel like one of the strongest things about you, one of the things I like the most about you is you seem very committed to transparency. You are not afraid to go on the air with people who are going to challenge you, question you, talk about your motives, talk about your decisions, and so on and so forth, including this program and others. Uh, and you're willing to be upfront about what's going on behind the scenes. That is something that is sorely lacking, I think, right now, maybe in both chambers of Congress, maybe in a lot of other uh, elected offices. But um, I, I really feel like you're going you're gonna to be committed to that, and I hope we can kind of keep that 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 uh, window open uh, for more dialogue, and uh, you'll you'll come out and you'll talk to your constituents through this microphone and this uh, this platform or others, and really let people know what's going on, so that we're not wondering, um, you know, what what's behind closed doors in the in the United States Senate. Do you feel like that's something you're going to be able to keep committing to? Yeah, that's absolutely right, Bob. Agree or disagree, I'll keep on coming on. We'll keep on talking openly about what's going on in the country. I suspect we're going to agree a lot more than we disagree, especially over the next few years. Uh, but look, this is an important part of, of doing the job well, is making sure people get an opportunity to actually ask you questions. I'm not going to hide behind friendly microphones and press releases. We're going to get out there and talk to people. Well, I really, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that, because uh, unfortunately, not a lot of other people are. You hear a little criticism, even if you're on the same side, same party, same ideology, you get a little criticism, oh, I'm not talking to that guy anymore. Uh, so I'm really, really glad to hear that, and I agree with you. I expect we're going to agree on 95% of the things that uh, that come before us and become before your uh, uh, your uh, your desk for a vote, uh, and I very much look forward to, uh, to watching you do a tremendous job for the people of Ohio over the, the course of the next six years. Uh, J.D. Vance, thanks for coming on. Congratulations once again, and we'll look forward to catching up again soon thanks bob take care senator vance there you go 
uh, I, I meant what I said. I, I feel like he has been as open and honest with me in interviews that I've done with him leading into up to the primary vote and then to, uh, of course, the general election uh, in November. I, I feel like he is a real open, uh, I don't say open book, sounds a little cheesy, but I really do feel like he's honest and sincere and upfront with what's going on there. Now, some people who were not quite as honest and upfront about what's going on uh, reside in the Ohio House of Representatives. They staged and carried out and completed what many are calling a coup uh, when it comes to the Ohio Speaker. And uh, Jason Stevens is that new speaker. Coming up after the top of the hour news, we're going to discuss how all of that happened. DJ Swearingen was one of those who supported Stevens. We're going to talk to him next. After that, Gary Click was one of those who supported Derek Marin, who was the speaker-elect after the caucus vote in November. We're going to talk to both of them back-to-back next half hour right here on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. It is indeed a very packed show thus far, and we're only two-thirds of the way home. Thanks to Jim Jordan who joined us in hour number one. Thanks to Dr. Everett Piper. Thanks to Senator Newby, sworn in Senator J.D. Vance. And thanks to you for listening and being a part of all of this. We want to get back now to the story we discussed at length yesterday and even going back to Tuesday and Uh, And that is, of course, the battle for the gavel, not in Washington, D.C., for the United States House of Representatives, but to Columbus for the battle there. Uh, In November, and we talked to uh, State Representative Alcatrona in depth about this yesterday, but we're still trying to gather as many different points of view and as much information from the State House as we can get to figure this out. Because there's a lot of very upset people. Quite frankly, a lot of very angry people. Because back in November, the um, Republican caucus, which is 67 strong, a very strong supermajority in the House, 67 Republicans, 33 Democrats, the uh, Republicans got together and caucused and said, yes, Derek Maron is going to be our new Speaker of the House. He was called Speaker-elect. It was agreed upon, and it's pretty much unprecedented for that to change between November and January, but change it did when a small group of Republicans got together and said, not feeling it, not liking it, or whatever it is that they said, and they uh, worked 
to try to twist the arms, and that may be strong. I'll ask our next guest whether it was arm twisting, but to try to convince other members of the uh, caucus of the Republicans to change their votes away from Derek Maron and choose Jason Stevens to be the new Speaker of the House. They didn't have nearly enough Republicans to do that, so they went to the Democrats. And as it turns out, when they held the vote this week, 32 out of the 33 Democrats joined 21 Republicans and chose Jason Stevens to be the new Speaker of their House. This has left a lot of conservatives in Ohio very, very angry. Uh, they see it as a coup d'etat, if you will. Joining me now to discuss this is one of the individuals who was on the Jason Stevens side of this, D.J. Swearingen, Ohio State Representative from District 89. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's good to have you back on the program. How are you? I'm doing well, Bob. How about yourself? And, uh, you know, I thank you for the invitation. I really appreciate it. And what I appreciate most is always your willingness to get to the bottom of the truth and hear both sides. That that's exactly what my goal is here. Because, like I said, I talk to a lot. I'm a, I'm a very strong conservative myself. I uh, I expressed to uh, Representative Catrona yesterday that I did not like the way this situation played out. But I wanted to get to the bottom, as you say. I want to hear why you did what you did, and he explained it in his uh, you know the best way that he could. And I want to give you a chance to do the same thing. Um, I th- I may have jumped the gun, and I may be wrong about this. Maybe you know the answer when I said this is kind of unprecedented. Is it unprecedented for uh, the party to decide in their caucus who the speaker is going to be in a new uh, legislative session, and um, and and then to change that to have members of the party change that between a caucus time and uh, and the time for the actual vote in January? Well, let, let's get to that in a minute, Bob. And if you'll just in, indulge me for for twenty seconds, okay. I want to clear up something that I've been reading over the last several days. It's truly a false, false narrative. I saw an email that was circulated that said that this was a rhino-led coup with, led by John Kasich and Bob Paducci. Those two individuals have had nothing to do with this. Uh, so I would hope uh, that whoever gave the author of that email that information would come forward with the evidence that that's the case, because that did not happen here. And as a you know, as a dissenter, I can affirmatively state that is false. Okay. So I want to clear that up right now that this is a rhino-led coup. I took exception to that. I, uh, like, I well, like if you. I may, if I may, I I have not seen said email, and I certainly cannot speak to any input that John Kasich or Bob Paduchik had in this. I will take you at your word right. when you're saying that did not yep. happen. But I Thank I, you, I don't I don't necessarily dispute the the characterization at the beginning of a rhino coup, uh, simply because it is a coup. Uh, everything was decided, as I noted, for, in December, uh, or excuse me, in November, and then suddenly um, the man that was chosen, Derek Merritt, is not going to be the speaker because of some machinations behind the scenes from others who wanted a more moderate Republican. And in fact, somebody who was moderate enough to appeal to Democrats who crossed over and said, deal, we'll take him over the other guy. So uh, calling it a rhino coup, might I think you might want to separate <laughs> those two things there. Maybe Kasich had nothing to do with it. Maybe Paduchik did. But calling it a rhino coup might be a fair characterization for some. Uh, I would never participate in a rhino coup, ever. Would never do it. What would you for call me, it? For me, this... W- this was not a left or a right issue at all. What I did was standing up for my district. That's how I look at this. When a bill or a position of leadership or an individual is brought before the, for me on the House floor, I always take into consideration the caucus. I do. At the end of the day, though, I will always stand up for what's right for my district over the caucus. That's what we're elected to do is represent the taxpayers and the people 
that Senate. So is it your belief that your district would have been ill served by a more conservative speaker like Derek Merritt? Policies have nothing to do with it. It was going to be my ability to advocate for my district that was going to be put in jeopardy. And that was made very clear to me from the time the caucus voted until the day of the vote on the floor. And I think you see what's going on in D.C. right now is, is unfortunate, but there are also, you know, 20 individuals there who I believe are voting their conscience right now. Um, and, you know, there may have to be a practical resolution of that because you need to be functional and move forward. But like those individuals, I'd imagine, my conscience said what's best for my district is Jason Stevens. And I know he has conservative credentials. I've seen it myself. Uh, he has voted for the Save Women's Sports Act. He supported my parents' Bill of Rights. He also supported my Issue 1 initiative that we talked about that ended cashless bail in Ohio. And then finally, he was able to obtain a CPAC endorsement for a speakership. And I know that's only one conservative group. It doesn't speak for everybody. But no, given it, that, it definitely does not, because there are not very many members of CPAC that are here in Ohio seeing what happens day to day. Uh, so I, I don't put a ton of stock into that. I do know a lot of conservative fair. groups in the state of Ohio that operate, that speak with, that meet with, uh, and they have great communications with uh, the, with House members every single day. Uh, and they're the ones that I really kind of kind of lean on here when it comes to conservative credentials. But having said all of that, tell me why you feel that it was better for your district and better for all constituents in the state of Ohio to have 32 Democrats choose the Republican speaker from a Republican supermajority. Because that's what happened. 45 Republicans only uh, wanted Derek Maron. Only 21 of you wanted Jason Stevens. So you let the Democrats make the decision here. Why give power to the very small minority party in Columbus? That's what I don't get, uh, Representative Swearingen. I'm not giving power to the minority party in Columbus. Like I said, when I, I vote did. on... You let him choose it. You let him choose the no, speaker. That's, that's power, right? No, sir. When we go to the floor and vote, you got to vote based off of what's in front of you. I'm not voting based off of what the Democrats are doing. You know, one of them would have to come on your show and explain why they voted for Jason. I'm not in their head. I don't have their motives or know their motives, and I'm not going to pretend to. Um, it's not their motives personal. I'm concerned about, sir, though. I'm concerned about your motives. You and others reached out to them. You went to them and I said... I did not reach out to the Democrats. Okay. No, I did well, not. Which members, which members of the group of Stevens supporters... And by the way, just to clarify, did you, not, you did not vote for Marin in the caucus in November? I, d- I did not, sir, no. Okay. I just want to make sure uh-huh. that there wasn't a turn on that. Okay, so good. So you've been you've been no. in you've been in Camp Stevens, if you will, from from the beginning. That's fine. You and, and several and others. Given you my reasons for that. Uh, it, it, yeah. I understand. You did you did give your reasons for that. Now, um, what I want to know though is how members uh, how many members of your group um, who said we're not going to let Marin take over here, but we don't have enough of us. We have to go talk to the Democrats. How many? Because the Democrats didn't come in voluntarily. They didn't knock on the door and saying, "Hey, you guys need some help." Somebody in your group well, reached out to them to say, "We need to stop Derek Marin." Uh, who who did it? If it wasn't you, let me let me speak to. To one thing you said there. That speak is to, speak to that part first, though. Speak to that part first, because that's important. I want to know which Ohio State House Republicans reached out to the Democrats to say we need you to help us pick our speaker. I don't think any State House Republicans reached out to the Democrats and say. So you think the Democrats reached out? You think they came a knocking and said, "Hey, we want to help but, you guys pick somebody who's not Derek Merritt." No, 
So what, what I think happened, Bob, was Jason, like myself, and I, I'm not going to speak for him. You'd have to have him onto the show, and you know. But I know for me personally, like I said, I'm going to represent my district, and this is the best vote that I can take for my district because otherwise, I think we're going to be cut out of the legislative process, which is extremely unfortunate. Um, Jason likely said, "I'm running. I'm running for the state house, and here's my vision for Ohio." Um, I don't know what the conversations were. You know, there's been allegations of a quid pro quo. That is insane and absolutely completely false. I never saw any evidence of a quid pro quo at any point. Um, you know what? You know, again, I, listen, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know if there was a quid pro quo or not. But here's what you're asking this audience and thousands and thousands of Ohio Republicans to believe. You're asking them to believe that Democrats chose Jason Stevens on their own. Just enough of them to join with uh, 20 or so Republicans to stop Derek Maron. You're, you're saying it was just coincidence. They, they, they happen to come across and choose without any pitch from Republicans who didn't want Derek Maron for reasons you described for your district. You're saying it's just coincidental that Democrats happen to cast their votes, not for a Democrat, but for Jason Stevens. I think it's important for us to understand the procedural aspects of the vote, too, in this instance. So unlike Washington, there will be, you know, you vote for 10 rounds, and if the individuals do not elect by a majority of those present, the Speaker of the House, on the 11th round, it's selected by a plurality. So on the 11th round, it ends, unlike in D.C., where this could continue on for months, and as to how I understand. So our rules are crafted differently. And that's important because at some point there was going to be a winner. And if it was like Washington, D.C., yeah, I imagine look, look, the Democrats with all due respect, with all due respect Representative Swearingen, this is not well, about the rules. This is not about the way the votes came down. This, this is it, about this is about a Republican caucus choosing Derek Maron. And it wasn't close. Derek Maron was the guy. Then, according to multiple reports and conversations with people who are on your side of this, um, they were upset that he didn't reach out and, and, and make enough phone calls between then and now, and they didn't, didn't make them feel important enough, and that feelings got hurt. And so they said, we're not going to let this guy be the speaker. We're going to go get somebody who's going to be more uh, on, our, on, on par with us. Um, that's what I'm concerned about. That's what Ohio voters are concerned about. And that's why virtually every conservative group in Ohio is pissed off right now. They're not happy. They're not worried about procedure. And they don't believe that it was just coincidental that there was a group of Republicans who didn't want Merrick, uh, Marin to be in. And, yeah, just Democrats came along and uh, on their own accord, without being recruited or being agree- any agreements being made, on their own accord came and voted for a Republican. That's what's very, very hard to believe. And that's what I hope the a message can come, you know, from your side of this. I don't mean you personally, but the group of you uh, who voted for uh, Stevens on this, along with all the Democrats, can come up with. I, I don't have any more time now because um, I do need to get another guy on this, and this is from the other side. So thank you, DJ Swearingen, for your time on this. I wish I could put you guys on together, but I will, uh, is there I will any, of course, accede to your to your wishes here. Um, is there any effort? Just well, uh, well, I, I do have to give time to, to a Gary Click, as promised. Uh, like I said, I would love to put you guys on together. If you want to stay on, you can do that. Uh, Gary, Gary is willing to do that, uh, but but I do want to get Gary Click to get another perspective here. So let's move on. DJ Swearingen uh, from '89, Gary Click from '88 uh, now joins us on AM fourteen twenty. The answer with a different perspective on this. Uh, Representative Click, good morning. Thanks for coming on. How are you? Hey, good morning, Bob. Boy, DJ did a great job of lawyering up. He didn't want to answer your questions, did he? 
Well, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know how to, I don't want to characterize it that way, uh, but I didn't yeah, get the answers I, I was will. looking for. I would definitely yeah. say that. The answers I'm looking for, the answer I'm looking for is how and why did 32 Democrats join with these 21 Republicans who turned against the selected, by the way of the caucus, uh, right. Speaker-elect uh, uh, Derek Maron? And, and that's the answer I'm not getting. I didn't get it from Al Catrone yesterday, mm. and I didn't get it from DJ no. Swearingen today. What is your perspective on this, Gary Clay? Well, 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 first of all, I'll tell you that DJ lied to you just like he lied to me. And uh, I, at least Al Catrone, I, I, you know, he didn't lose all of his integrity because when I talked to Al Catrone, he told me the truth. Um, I think he did the wrong thing, but at least he was honest about it, gave me the same reasons he gave you, which are not satisfactory. Uh, and uh, Jeff LeRae did the same thing. He told me why. I mean, they didn't measure up, but at least he told me well, why. What was he their why, if I may? If like I may. Uh, uh, yeah. Representative Click, well, what did they tell you as to why they were doing this? What did they tell you? Well, for unity and stability, which and to prevent chaos. And I mean, everything that they just did is a reason that we have disunity. It's the reason we have chaos. It's the reason we have a lack of stability right now. And you know, DJ told me I, I reached out to DJ a, a week or so before. I said, "Hey, I, I hear that." Uh, Jason's going to pull a householder move. And I knew that uh, DJ would know because they both own a house together down there in Columbus. They stay together in Columbus. Mm -hmm. And uh, DJ says, that sounds like a cap square rumor to me. He wouldn't even have that conversation. And now he wants to have a conversation. Obviously, he doesn't want to do so it on he the dis air. he dismissed the idea that there was going to be what you called oh. Householder 2.0, which is a bunch oh, of Republicans yeah. teaming up with Democrats to select a, a, a moderate yeah, I wouldn't say a bunch of Republicans, but just enough. There's a minority, 22. Uh, well, 22 is a bunch to me. 2022 20, isn't two or three. 22 is a significant well, number to me. Well, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I guess, I, <laughs> I, like you, yeah, I'm not good at math. Or <laughs> but like he, but he denied any knowledge but, that such a thing was happening is what you're saying. Uh, it sounds like a cap square rumor. Yeah, where are okay. you hearing this from? That, that's what I got back to me. And I confronted him with it because... Honestly, over the last few years, I've really respected DJ. thought he was a great guy. Collaborated with him on a couple things. But I don't like being lied to. I don't like being dismissed. And and that he, he you know, basically, he just kind of lawyered up on me. Now, let me respond to this thing about a deal. Uh, first of all, if you listen to uh, and check out Morgan Trout, she's a terrible reporter. Uh, but she's celebrating this because she's an extreme liberal person. And uh, and she's got Allison Rousseau on there talking about the things that they talked about, redistricting, uh, the backpack bill. They, they've they admitted, Allison Rousseau and them, why did Allison Rousseau hold the Bible when, when uh, Jason swore in? That's a great question, um, because maybe he was pledging his allegiance to her. I don't know. But the reality is that I spoke with minority leader Dontavious Geralds, and I was talking to him. I said, hey, Don, you know, I get along with Dontavious, at least I have. Mm -hmm. I said, don't do this. Don't you remember what happened with Householder? And he says, hey, listen, we're, we're talking to both sides. And, and they are. And, I mean, Derek didn't deny talking to them. He just said, I can't give them what they want. Uh, and, you know, certain things like, you know, Householder got like, you know, recording and, and streaming the uh, committee things. Yeah, that would be no big deal. Let them take their own steps. That's no big deal. But compromising on this. And Don Tavia told me very specifically, he said, we are going to do, he said, you don't, he said, I cannot underestimate the value of doing what's right for my district, for my community, and all of us feel that way. We are going to do what's right for us. And I just tell you, you know, this might sound extreme, but here's the way that uh, I feel, many members of my caucus feels like, you know, the 
the little R Republicans grabbed their big cousins from the big city and, and came and basically gang-raped our caucus. Now they want to have a shotgun wedding and blame us for disunity, and that's not how it is. Did you get anything specific when Dontavius told you, we're going to do what's right for us, and uh, we talked to both sides? No, no, uh, did, no, did but it's easy to know because, because when I talked to, you know, I would have supported whoever came out of our caucus, whoever we elected, if it was Jason or whoever. I talked to Jason. I was back and forth between who my second pick would be, whether it was going to be Plummer or, or Jason. They both knew that. They were both lobbying for it. And, and I went into caucus undecided, to be honest. But I will tell you this, that originally, Jason, when he talked to me, he was for the SAFE Act. But as we got closer uh, to the deal, and I, I heard rumors that he was going to do this before we ever caucus. So it's not because Derek did something afterwards. That's a bunch of uh Whatever. So you disagree? Malarkey so you disagree with what Al Catrona said yesterday, and he said that after the caucus vote, Derek Marin was uh, oh, was essentially ostracizing. I think is the word that he used. Uh, so many of the people who voted for him and were not going to they were he was going to make them not feel like they were a part of this. Maybe not get committee assignments. No, uh, no, no. Didn't, absolutely. You know, matter of fact, I talked to Derek. You know, it was one or two people that I was concerned about. Uh, and, you know, and I might have been tougher than Derek. I said, I don't, I mean, I hope that I said, I hope this person not get a chairmanship. He says, listen, Gary, he said, everybody's relevant. We got to make sure that everybody in our cause is taken care of. Matter of fact, he's the one, you know, I donated to Al Catrona's campaign because I didn't really have a, a hard race, but he did. And, and then one of the reasons I did is because Derek asked me to, he said, Hey, can you, would you mind helping out, you know, Al Catrona? I said, no, I love Al. I'd, I'd be happy to. And, and and so for Katrona to turn around and and make these accusations is ridiculous. Stevens had told Representative me before Click, um, that he was. I'm, I'm a little short on time here, so I want to ask you one more question. Yeah. Um, and then we can talk again as the as the days go on. Um, I'll, I'll, sure I'll talk to DJ Sturgeon again back. as well. Yeah. Uh, but but um, can you tell me what there have you talked to or heard from Derek since this whole thing went down since the coup since the vote since the Democrats came on board because I, I nobody I mean I can't even find a quote from him in the newspaper is he is he in the basement is he hiding out I mean he's not talking about what just went down have you heard well, from him and you can you tell me what he has to say about the fact that he was speaker elect coming out of that caucus and now this has happened I haven't heard a word well I well you know Derek Father's funerals this weekend, you know, and I did I've learn been that just yesterday. Let, yeah, yeah. I I, I've yesterday. been just letting Derek, you know, grieve. He, you know, he's been, you know, despite the fact they all said he didn't make phone calls, he was sitting there next to his dad, dad making phone calls, trying to, you know, split his attention. And he's not even been able to grieve. I, I'm letting, I'm letting him grieve. Uh, I'm not, I'm not pushing him on that. Uh, I'm sure that we'll hear from him in due time. You know, you know, Derek, you know, had some high aspirations and he would have been great, you know, as the speaker and he would have treated everyone with respect. He would have been very consistent with what he said. And listen, it was a majority, a super majority of Republicans that chose him and a super minority of Democrats are, I mean, super minority of Republicans with him. He had more Democrats than Republicans. Yeah, 32, 32 Democrats and 21 Republicans chose Jason Stevens to be the leader of a 67, to, to be the leader of a 67 Republican majority, super majority in the House. It's a, it's yeah, a, it's it's probably a remarkable why he canceled caucus. He didn't want to face us. Right. 
Well, listen, uh, Representative Gary Click, I appreciate you coming on and talking about things from the Merrick side of this whole, uh, Marin side of this whole thing. It's, uh, it's very, very disturbing the way it went down. I think a lot of us who are very uh, questioning at the very best and maybe very, very uh, critical of the Ohio Republican Party right now have a whole lot more reasons for concern. Uh, after Absolutely. this, I, I, I want unity and I want conservative leadership, and I feel like I'm getting neither one from my party right now. So I hope we can talk again, but I do appreciate you coming on this morning, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bob. God bless. Uh, that's Representative Gary Click. He's not happy at all. He said it's garbage to think there was no deal offered to the Democrats to get them to come over and vote for Jason Stevens. But Representative Swearingen, I spoke to before that, said there was no deal ever, any way, shape, or form. I guess it's up to you to decide what you believe, and we'll be right back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. Well, we're doing our best to make some sense out of it, my friends. Uh, it is. Uh, it is. It's ugly. It's ugly in D.C., where the Republicans still can't figure out how to get a speaker. It's ugly in Columbus, where the Republicans did figure out how to get a speaker. But depending on whom you listen to, uh, it didn't go well. DJ Swearingen swears, no, no uh, pun intended, that there was no deal, no quid pro quo with the Democrats who came over and voted for Jason Stevens. And that uh, it was perfectly uh, uh, within the within the bounds of of the rules for them to turn on the guy that was the rep- the uh, speaker elect coming out of the caucus. Gary Click says there absolutely was a deal, uh, and he said he spoke with uh, one of the leaders of the Democrats, who said they talked to both sides, trying to see who they might be able to get something from in order to uh, give their support. And uh, Derek Marin said, "We well, can't give them that. We're not giving them anything." And so they so supported Jason Stevens. What's Jason Stevens offering? What are the what are the Republicans who supported Stevens offering? I don't know. And the question of whether anything was offered again is a matter of your opinion. What do you believe? Which side do you believe? Let's see what Shannon Burns believes. Shannon Burns is uh, the president of the uh, Cuyahoga County Republican Party and uh, the uh, uh, Strongsville Republicans as well, and uh, he's got some thoughts on what's going on down in Columbus. Shannon, good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me on. So it's a mess. Uh, it's the best way I can say it. Uh, how do you how do you decipher what you've heard either on this these airwaves yesterday and today, or in your own conversations with uh, with members in the state house? What do you, what is your takeaway here, Shannon? Well, you know, I, I got a unique uh, perspective on this because you know. Strongsville GOP, as you know, you've been to our organization multiple times. A lot of these members have come through and, and talked with us and attended our events. So in the run-up to this vote, we had been reaching out to many of them and, and making certain that they were going to go with us. And, you know, a couple of the members, one straight up lied to us, literally multiple times said that they were going to be uh, voting with Marin and, and did it at the last minute. Uh, the other other one now looking back uh, just wordsmithed us and, and you know wasn't honest about it. it you know played dumb and said that it didn't know anything about it um, and then you know guys like Steve Demetria were awesome you know, obviously he's with us the whole time right I mean he's a great new member on the east side of Cleveland and he uh, he obviously clearly was a great conservative and stayed with the uh, the party 
Shannon, I have to ask, only just because it's kind of my job, I think, in a situation like this. You named a name when you told me who was awesome, but you didn't name names when you told me people who straight up lied to you. Do you want to name names? Well, here's what we're doing, Bob, is that you know we've got a process. And you remember when uh, Anthony Gonzalez decided to betray us, betray the entire country. Uh, and we went through a process there. And, and that process started out with some, some private communication with the members, you know, given just like you're doing right now, giving them an opportunity to, to explain, you know, explain what their process was, why they why they decided to lie to us, why they decided not to share that information uh, appropriately. And once that process has gone through, then we clearly are going to go public with uh, this, and and then the members of Strongsville GOP are going to make a decision. You know, we're, we're not going to sit by and and sit quietly like a lot of Republican organizations might do. Um, but, you know, on, on that topic, not to pivot too much, but as you know, tomorrow, you know, we've got a state central committee meeting, which I'm a member of state central committee. We're going to be electing a new chair. Yeah. And, you know, we are, we are prepared and we will be, uh, preparing to censure all of these traitors at that meeting. Wow. Um, and I think, and I think that that will be, uh, something that will be a deciding factor. I think that you, you look at, the old versus the new in State Central Committee, and for the listeners that don't know about State Central, State Central is the governing board of the Ohio Republican Party, sets the, the path forward, and, and we're at the most critical point of that in, in electing a new chair tomorrow. And, and you've got a chair candidate that's supported by the, the Kasich establishment, uh, and that's Jimmy Stewart, and, and his, you know, his best buddy is Jay Edwards, right, the guy who orchestrated this whole uh, Stevens coup. Right. Um, and then you got a guy that, you know, like I'm supporting with Brian Williams, who is hardcore on our side on this topic and making certain that we uh, hold these traitorous Republicans accountable. Um, and, and, you know, that'll be a process that plays out tomorrow, and I think it'll be very interesting. We're going to attempt to uh, get each of the candidates to state their opinion publicly prior to the vote. Um, you and I both know that they won't. Uh, they're, they're, they'll just uh, ignore the topic and move on, but... You know, it's going to be important that if we elect a new leader of the party, that that elected leader represents us, represents what we all care about. Pardon my cynicism, Shannon, but um, I feel like because of what you just said, some of the same individuals who orchestrated the uh, the coup for Jason Stevens are backing Jimmy Stewart, the Kasich, as you say, kind of uh, favorite there. Um, so, I mean, do, do we have any reason to believe that either Williams or Triantafalu or any of the other more concerned, because there's, what, five names, I think, Triantafalu, Williams, Stevens, Fellows, and Anderson, uh, and that any of them have a shot? So, Bob, if the vote was held right now, Brian Williams would win head-to-head against Jimmy uh, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, now, obviously, a lot can change in 24 hours. There's a lot of deals to be done, as we've just seen play out in Columbus, right, on Tuesday. A lot of deals can be done. A lot of, you know, there's no ethics rules in the state of in Sh- the state Shannon, party. Shannon, I hate the fact that the clock says I have 20 seconds left, but it does. Uh, so, uh, super quick, what time is the vote tomorrow? Do you know? Uh, it'll be 10 a.m., and, and if people want to call their state central committee members, they can go to strongsvillegop.org and get a list of all of their members. Call me after the vote if you could. We'd love to hear uh, live radio the response to that, okay? Thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Shannon Burns. That's all the time we've got. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.